You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. You know, there's nothing like being on the promenade again. Try your hand at a little dabo, have a jumja stick, maybe have that lizard guy make you a new suit. It's Monday night at 7 Pacific, 10 Eastern, and it must be Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Charlene Schmidt. Tonight, we follow the crew of the Cerritos for a pit stop at the tacky fascist Cardassian ice... No, that can't be right. Let's try that again. The most legendary Cardassian-turned-Bajoran space station near a wormhole to the Gamma Quadrant. It's Deep Space Nine, and... Normally at this time of the show, we would encourage you to call in. Which we'll do right now. Click on the Zoom meeting link, use the one tap, or call us at 669-900-6833. Very good. And we would also like to welcome those of you who are in the Facebook chat. Oh, uh, which I will also do right now. Hello to Scott Palm. How are you doing? So Tracy, Coco, great to see you there. Narda, Paul, I believe there's another Paul hanging out. Maybe another Paul to join us later. John Arminio. Uh, oh, yeah. Carlos, Dominic, Mike. So good to see all of you, but we're going to cut this part pretty short, too. Yeah, and we would also normally tell you about what's happening on all the Roddenberry shows, too. We would, but you can do that for yourself right now or later by visiting podcast.roddenberry.com. Yes, and finally, John, would you read an episode recap before getting to our special guest? Aha, okay, that's where tonight will be a little bit different because we have a very special guest. And you know what? I will do the recap. It'll take me just a couple of minutes, but I I don't want to let anybody hang on any longer. I want them to know right away who our special guest is. He's here with us now. It's Armin Shimmerman. Welcome to the show, Armin. Glad to see you. Happy to be here. Glad to see you guys as well. Excellent. All right. Well, Armin, sit tight for just a moment because I'm going to do the world's fastest lower decks recap, at least when it comes to mission log style. Here we go. And I know that we already have some callers lined up and there are more of you who will want to join us now that we've done the big reveal. So here we go. Lower deck season oh, three, episode six. Here all trust nothing. DS9 is indeed all it's cracked up to be. Shax reunites with Kira in a game of one-upmanship on who owes the other their life. Boimler racks up big winnings at the Dabo table. Mariner gets trapped in the living nightmare that is the salon of Jennifer's girlfriends on the Cerritos, dipping candles and doing interpretive dance. But the real action comes when Tendi meets another Orion, Mesk, who is also serving in Starfleet. He's super into the Orion pirate life, which makes Tendi a bit uneasy. When the Karema delegation arrive, they've, they're pretty cool to anything that looks like negotiation, but they get really interested in stealing the Quark 2000 replicator and Quark himself, then sabotage DS9 and the Cerritos, killing all power so they can make their getaway to the Gamma Quadrant. Not so fast. Rutherford, Tenvi, Tendi, and Mesk are already on board the Karama ship, delivering booze for the trade negotiation, but their presence goes unnoticed. As the ship makes its way to the wormhole, Mesk cracks. He's not a pirate at all, but rather was raised in Cincinnati by human parents. Tendi reveals quite the opposite. She's got mad pirate skills and manages to take control of the Karama ship, partly by using a guard's latinum tooth to decouple the power system. With the Karama in the brig, Captain Freeman is ready to broker a peace, but there's bigger, but there's a bigger misunderstanding. 
Nakarama were there to arrest Quark for stealing their replicator technology, the backbone of the Quark 2000. In that case, the negotiation takes on a new angle. Nakarama will get 76% of Quark's profits, and Quark gets to not go to prison. All's well that ends well. That one is for you, Armin. With Mariner impressing Jennifer by phasering all her friends, and Boimler, like the sucker he is, cashing in his latinum for a Quark's bucks that he can only spend in the gift shop, that leaves Colonel Kira, who infuriates Shax by telling him she owes him one. And finally, Quark himself, who is disgruntled to be catering to the Karama, but earns the spoils of one latinum tooth liberated by Tendi. The end. I told you it would be fast. That was you as know. concise well as you could make it, Thank sir. Well you. done. Thank you. We had to cut through very quickly because we have a special guest. Hey, before we bring in our first caller, and Armin, since we have you here, um, we were talking before the show about how you had to keep this very quiet for a long time. When were you approached, and was it Mike McMahon or somebody else in the production who said, hey, you know what, we have this idea of bringing you back? I don't know uh, who on the productions uh, first came up with the idea. I only know my agent uh, called. Actually, I had to go through two agents. Uh, They called my on-camera agent, which was a natural thing to do. But my on-camera agent said, um, we would like to cover you, but but technically it's a voiceover job, and so it has to go to your voiceover agent. So they switched uh, a, a we, they switched agents, and my voiceover agent Kathy took over the reins of getting it. But it was about a year and a half before this episode aired wow. that I was approached, and then I think I had to wait about seven or eight months before we actually did the voiceover work. And then there was another seven or eight months before the episode aired. It was a long time. Wow. Yeah. And you and Nana had to keep that very quiet. (laughs) The whole time. Yeah. Yeah, To all the people I said, who asked me, would I, am I coming back as Quark? And I lied to my apologies. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it wasn't so much a lie. It was a lie. It was a lie. It was deception. Right, right. Um, But uh, with that said, though, my understanding is that you have done Quark's voice many times before. Uh, Star Trek Online did multiple episodes of the game with Quark as a prominent character. So it's not like Quark has been completely out of your mind. No, and he never really is because I spend a lot of time responding to emails or, or social media accounts where they ask him questions about Quark. So he's always there. Uh, he's a little voice that sits right behind me and whispers in my ear on a regular basis. <laughs> so it wasn't like a massive transition, I'm guessing, to get into Quark's head and reprise this role, which was, it ended on TV several years ago, but he's never fully left. That's what it sounds like. It is, yes, he's never left uh, my consciousness, that's, that's for sure. And I'm happy to say, and very proud to say, and flattered to say, that he hasn't left the viewer's consciousness either. No, definitely not. I do have one big question. It's about the teeth. You confirmed <laughs> on Twitter that you put in the teeth to mm-hmm. use to get into the right voice and tone for Quark. How much of an adjustment was that, or was it? Well, um, it, it wasn't much of an adjustment. Uh, biologically, your teeth move in your mouth. So the old teeth that I had from the show uh, no longer fit 
onto my present teeth. So mm. a couple of years ago, for uh, one of the games, um, I had to have new teeth made that I that I had made personally, and I was able to put those on for for the show. I did wear the teeth, but when I listened to Lower Decks, I sometimes thought. I know I wore the teeth, but it just doesn't sound exactly right. The teeth were there, but it wasn't exactly right. And uh, I imagine that's because the person who remade the teeth was not did not make the same exact design as the original. Oh, Michael sure. Interesting. I, I definitely will have more questions about the, the recording process and getting into character. I do want to jump to our caller. And I also want to mention that in the chat, by the way, thank you, Charlene, because Rand asked that same question about the teeth. <laughs> he wanted to know that in the chat. We all wanted to know. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Dave says that Armin is so popular, he needs two agents. <laughs> and Scott Palm said, how many agents do you have? Two. Uh, Two. You, you have the two. So there's on camera and there's voice. Excellent. All right. Well, let's welcome our first caller tonight. Chris, pleasure to see you floating there in Space Dock with, uh, with the Cerritos. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Doing good. Doing good. Nice to see you all. Um, yeah, Char, you stole my teeth question. I cannot forgive you for this. Uh, so I'm kind of <laughs> Sorry. You can chew me out later. It's fine. Oh, hey, no pun intended. Yes. Uh, oh, hey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Well, what uh, else no. other than Armin's other, teeth? Other than the teeth, yeah. Well. <laughs> um, no, this is a really great episode. Um, firing on all cylinders. It was great to see us back on the station, hear the music. Uh, and I think it's really nice. Trek often exists in this kind of like like discrete packets, even if they do like overlap in the way that like DS9 Next Gen, like in the timeline overlap, but they don't overlap like in terms of TV content. Um, right. And so it's nice to sort of see them to see the lower deckers come here and be like, oh yes, this is all one universe. They all, it all exists at the same time. And yeah, it was just great seeing everyone back hanging out. Well, it was indeed great. Um, and you mentioned the music. I, I actually started to tear up uh, the first time I watched the episode when I heard the music and, and saw the depiction of Deep Space Nine floating in space. Um, that was so wonderfully nostalgic and so touching. Uh, my thank yous to all the people involved who did that. It, it's oh, yeah. really, it's stunningly beautiful, right? And, and I love how Lower Decks uh, is so deftly able to uh, to skirt these lines where you have this fast-paced, broad action comedy, but then these scenes of real beauty, especially with uh, Deep Space Nine, gorgeous-looking station, it just, yes, even though it is cartoon CG-rendered, it still has the same weight and gravitas and, and dramatic appeal that that model did on the show way back when. It, it's stunning to look at. And the music does not hurt. Armin, was that undermined at all for you when you hear Captain Ransom saying, just keep circling? Just no. keep circling. <laughs> you know, I, I could have lived with the whole episode just be circling deep space. <laughs> nice. okay. 45 minutes of just that. Just that would have been fine. Yeah, it's right. beautiful. I would, you know, I would not have gotten into trouble, uh, but perhaps we wouldn't have gotten a residual either. So that's uh, perhaps oh, not the best thing. Very important. Yeah, or, or they might have just paid you a residual with a gold tooth. You know, right. that yeah. that would have yeah, been. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris, any other uh, thoughts, questions tonight? Yeah, just on that topic of like the way they sort of balance that. One of my favorite bits from this week, and I had a lot of favorite bits, um, but it's that moment when Carrie walks in the office and she just looks out the window and she kind of like wistfully looks at the wormhole. I'm like, 
that feels real. Like I believe yeah. that that would be in like, you know, the reboot or sequel series. If we had it like, I feel that. So yeah, great job nice all around. Swede. Yeah. <laughs> it was a very lovely moment. And, uh, and, you know, in a sense, uh, you know, for what do I know, but maybe she's looking out the window waiting for Cisco to come back. That was what I was thinking. Yes. Yep. Probably checks out every day, you know? Yeah. 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 It's a nice moment. It's a little ritual for her. He'll have to get the baseball back if he does. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Chris, any other thoughts tonight before we go to our next caller? Uh, No, that's it. I mean, it's just a wonderful episode. Probably the top of the season for me so far. But yeah, great. Uh, Seeing everyone. Nice talking to you, Armin. Nice talking to you, Chris. (laughs) Chris, take care. Good to see you, buddy. Hey, uh, a question that popped up in the chat here that I was very curious about. Somebody pointed out, you know, that this process started about 18 months ago for you with getting that initial call. Uh, But then we're also more deeply into the COVID pandemic. Things are shut down. Um, Were you recording from home? Were you in a studio? Were you around other people for this? How did that process go? Um, I was in a studio um, and uh, there were other people there, but not in the recording booth. Mm. Uh, Usually when you record something, unless it's a cartoon show, this is an animated show. um, But um, usually when you record something like this, you record alone um, and you have the earphones on and the director is on the on the mic telling, giving you direction, which is exactly what happened here. I, I also remember. Uh, yes, it was just me. And Nana had uh, recorded earlier, either in the week. So I didn't get to see Nana. I didn't get to see anybody, but uh, just record the lines. And, and unlike Deep Space Nine, uh, Lord Dex was amenable to my actually changing the lines, which was taboo on the show. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. So what did you change? If you, uh, there was a line about something about my my clients. My clients weren't going to like something. They had written something else, and I said Quark would actually uh, stand up. He'd be more concerned about his clients than about something else. I remember what it was originally, and then uh, uh, I put in some things like I think I put in a Ferengi scream at one point. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's just part of the character, and. Um, but I, I, there was one or two lines where we changed them. Yeah. Which, again, on Deep Space Nine, if we didn't hear from the script coordinator, DLP, at the end of a, of a particular take, DLP standing for dead letter perfect, um, uh, we knew we had to do that, that scene or that take again. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, there, a lot of comments here. And by the way, uh, Dominic in the chat says, I'm still in shock about Armin. <laughs> so that's great. <laughs> I'm glad that uh, that, that has uh, continued to surprise and delight you as this episode did for many of us. One of the things that I think is so cool about the way this episode plays out is that we do give the Lower Decks characters their moment. And this is a Tendi episode. It's really nice to see her character development. And sometimes it can be handled poorly where if the location, in this case, Deep Space Nine, is just sort of, it feels like a B-plot. But I, I felt like just the opportunity to really feel like you're hanging out with these characters and they're still there doing their thing. I love the reveals about what has happened since we last saw them, that Quark has these multiple franchises. 23, 23 franchises. 23. I love, I love the <laughs> gift shop and I, all that. It just felt 
perfectly like it was in the world, you know? It's uh, very organic. That's what I yeah. really appreciated is you're taking two separate shows in the same universe, mind you, but tying them together in this, this very natural way, like Kira and Shax. Yeah, of course they were in the resistance together. That makes a lot of sense. That's sort of a thing. It was just so such a seamless blend. It was great. Yeah. Good writing. It was good writing. Yeah. Let's go to our next caller. I believe uh, Dr. Dawson is standing by. John D., how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm well, John. How are you? Good. Good to see you. And you are there from Quarks. I am. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> see, how, see how I did that? I saw that Armin was on, and I'm like, oh, quick, change my background. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I hear that stuff in the gift shop is cheap. So just just watch your wallet, okay? It, you know. It's cheap for Ranky knockoffs. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry Armin. <laughs> <laughs> so what's on your mind tonight, John? Oh, um, this I, I, I love the episode. I don't think there's anybody who didn't love the episode, so we'll just accept that as fact. <laughs> um, and uh, it's great to see Armin. I've been on a, a couple things with Armin. I don't know, think you'd remember me, but um, I wanted to kind of take a conversation a little bit away from trek a little bit not really um because armin and uh katie his wife and frakes did some big philanthropy stuff last year that i was proud to be a contributor to and yes, thank you john thank you boosting on social and i'm wondering what uh uh armin armin's always involved in a lot of charity stuff so i'm wondering what's what's going on now is there going to be a uh a, a trek uh, philanthropy project this year? Well, we'll continue our work with uh, PANCAN, which is a, it was a charity to, uh, to get rid of pancreatic cancer. Uh, as most people know, uh, or maybe don't know, uh, my wife is a survivor of pancreatic cancer. And unfortunately, Jonathan lost his brother to pancreatic cancer. Um, that is primary, primarily where we put our efforts as far as charity. There are other charities um, and, and a lot of political contributions because this is that time of, of the year when candidates are asking for money. But, um, but we, are, we are very proud and very happy to support PanCan, which does an incredible job. Um, just a quick uh, shout out to them and, and also uh, to pancreatic uh, cancer patients. When Kitty was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer 18 years ago, the survival rate was 4%. I'm happy to say Thanks to the efforts of the medical profession. Thank you, Dr. John, Dr. Dr. John D. And, uh, and the other doctors and PANCAN, the survival rate has now gone to 11%. Not good, but, but obviously exponentially better than it was when Keith first came down. That's incredible. Yeah. That is. Uh, and by the way, Heather in the chat, uh, Heather, one of our uh, guest co-hosts on the show, saying that is Trektivism in action indeed. And uh, just reminding people that there will be more Trek talks coming and additional Trektivism projects. And we were so happy that during the Trek talks event last January that uh, PanCan got highlighted there and uh, hope for more in the coming one. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of us actors have have things that we are espouse uh, uh, John Billingsley, for instance, of the homeless, um, a lot of people of uh, different causes. Uh, and I must say, all the actors that I know of uh, constantly say that the, the Trek fandom is enormously kind, generous, and charitable, for which I'd like to thank everybody for that. Indeed. 
Doctor, any other thoughts tonight before we uh, move along? Um, just just ask the question that's on everybody's mind, and and Armin can't probably can't answer is will we see Quark again? Okay. Anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. right uh, but before you got here, we, we were joking that the, the standard thing for a Star Trek interview is always asking, would you come back to play this character? And the standard answer is always, I would be yes, delighted if they offer. Absolutely. Offered. I would love to come back and do it. I just asked. <laughs> That's how it goes. <laughs> uh, doctor, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure to see you and uh, hope Thanks, to see John. you again soon. And uh, and I did start to listen to the latest podcast, and I'm really jealous about your pre-podcast conversation about the Star Trek features on the cruise you were on. Oh, um, which yeah. I, which was great for those of us Patreon people who get to hear that. You're quite welcome. It was very cool. Even with the little technological hip, hiccups, it was still really nice. So, all right. Until next time, my friend, take care. All right. Take care, Bye-bye, buddy. Time. Yeah. Uh, by the way, <laughs> I love that Spencer points out, speaking of Morn, I wonder how it was for Armin to work with Mark Allen Shepard again. <laughs> Pretty much the same. He was Pretty much the same, yeah. <laughs> Guy won't shut up. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you for that, Spencer. I love it. Um, let us go to our next caller standing by, also from the Cerritos. It is Alan. Alan, good to see you. How are you doing tonight? Uh, hi, hi, John. Hi, Shar. Hi, uh, hi, Armin. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. After you know a year or so of calling into the show, I'm finally started getting over my you know stage fright and everything, and and then you spring quirk on me. Uh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> okay, now now wait a minute. Wait a minute. You you say that you say that yeah. stage right. What Armin doesn't know is that you will show up here week after week, and sometimes you have songs for us. Sometimes I mean, there's like a whole lot of thought. Sometimes you're in costumes. I was so. a pirate once, John. That is correct. Yes, you were. You were so <laughs> stage cool fright, stuff, man. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't sound like stage fright to me either. So that's <laughs> songs. That's why I left New York City. It's because I couldn't sing and I decided I'd better go to that. <laughs> tall, tall game face. Tall, right. tall game face. That's right. <laughs> right. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's such a thrill to, to be here with you guys. And, and uh, we're obviously, we're all in good company on, on the lower decks. So um yeah just just thrilling i guess uh if if i may ask um you know armin having done seven seasons of of deep space nine hundreds of scripts you get used to a way of of performing for star trek uh dlp you know and 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 all and then suddenly you're doing uh of uh, a very much different style of, of 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 script for lower decks that I think we've all sort of noticed is a lot more compact <laughs> in terms of scripting and and verbiage and things uh, compared to to what uh, live action Star Trek has been. Uh, was w- were there any uh, interesting challenges with that or or just you know wrapping your head around Quark at like one point five speed? Well, um, I must say, uh, no, there were no challenges. Let me explain why. Um, besides my work on Deep Space Nine and on Star Trek, 
Um, I have had a nice career as a voiceover actor, and I've done a number of games, and and for a number of years was a series regular on a cartoon show. So I'm I'm used to the fast pace of animation, and I'm I'm used to what was required in order to do animation. So as an actor, I learn from every performance that I do, uh, and from every character that I do. I've had the good fortune to play hundreds of characters at this point. So I just combined the education I got from doing Grim and Evil uh, to uh, the the education I got from being on Deep Space Nine and just did those things together. That's all. So no, 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 no new, no hiccups, no road bumps, nothing at all. Oh, fantastic. (laughs) I was used to the feet, so uh, that was not a problem either. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't want to take up too much time tonight uh, just to say that uh, if I, I said this on our uh, the the Discord that we have for our for for the for mission log that you know Deep Space Nine had its annual things. There was sort of like the annual Ferengi episode. There was the annual um, Mirror Universe episode. It would be great if Lower Decks could have an annual Deep Space Nine episode, and for for you and for for Nana or for anyone else who wants to come back, you know, well, you Alan, get to get to everybody else. Uh, Alan, I mentioned before I have two agents. Obviously, I now have a third one. Um, <laughs> so, um, I would I would very much like to have that happen, Alan. But I also was thinking about this the other day. Um, I think. It would be unfair to some of the other shows if we just bought uh, on Deep Space Nine. We, we need to have, uh, and perhaps they've had them, we need to have a Voyager episode. We need to have an Enterprise episode. So, um, uh, yes, I would love it if there's an annual Deep Space Nine reunion, but I want to be fair to my friends on other shows as well. Oh. That's well, very gracious. That's very charitable of you, and um, I'll, I'll be in touch uh, in, in terms of this works out, uh, if it, yeah, I it works out. You 10%. I mean, we can negotiate. We can negotiate. Fantastic. <laughs> Alan, always a pleasure. And yeah. uh, look, no song this week, but come back strong next week, okay? We'll do what we'll do what we can, sir. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Take care. All right. Take it easy. By the Bye-bye. way, uh, in the chat, uh, Paul, and then followed by Rand, a couple of well, you know, important comments here. Paul says, "Must have been nice to not have to sit through the makeup again." But then Rand follows with, "I would love to know if Armin put on the ears in addition to the teeth in the recording booth." I think he's saying that partly facetiously. Sure, sure. Um, it was lovely not to put on makeup. Uh, that's two hours of my life that uh, I was able. To keep. Um, as far as putting on the ears, um, uh, yes, I know he was being facetious, but it would have been detrimental because perhaps you know or don't know uh, when Ferengi wear their heads, we go deaf. Uh, all that rubber over our ears is very hard to hear. So it would have been impossible to hear what the director was saying over the headsets if I was wearing the ears. I imagine though that there is a uh, there's a physicality to the Ferengi though. Um, so when even when you're doing when you're in a recording booth and in front of a mic and with headphones on, I imagine you're picturing sort of that physicality in your head that you know Quark moves a certain way, his his phrasing, his pacing is a certain way that is not Armin, it is Quark. Right. That's the character. When you play any character, uh, you try to get into the mind and body of that character. And uh, to the extent that you succeed is the extent that your performance is good or bad. Um, I I don't 
Quark is so just outside of my frame of reference that it didn't take much to get back into that head. Um, I had seven years of experience, as everyone knows. So, so even though it's been decades since I performed that character, uh, he's always sat on my shoulder and reminded me that he's there. Are there other characters who are as close who, who can also come back with that ease? Yeah, I imagine there are. I, I, I would say that my character of Snyder, who's not a pleasant person at all, would come back pretty easily. Um, I'm, I, I love the performance I gave on, in the game Bioshock, where I played uh, Andrew Ryan. Uh, I believe that character would come back pretty good. But, but probably the easier performances might be some of the Shakespearean characters that I played more than once. Those would come back, Claudius, Polonius, uh, uh, Gravedigger. Um, all those would come back, I think, pretty quickly. Nice. We've got three more callers lined up. We have uh, Paul, we have Cherie, and then we have JD. So anybody who wants to come and join us tonight and talk with Armin, now is your chance. Click the Zoom meeting link, use the one tap from your smartphone, or dial us up the old-fashioned way. We would be delighted to hear from you. But we're at the bottom of the hour, so that means it's time for me to be crassly commercial for just a minute. Won't take up much time with it, but I will remind all of you to join us at patreon.com slash missionlog. That not only gives you early access to Mission Log shows and exclusive swag, but most importantly, the Mission Log Discord. And that truly is our community online that is for all of you. Alan mentioned it in his call, how we're having a conversation there about uh, Lower Decks and about revisiting certain places and uh, anything and everything under the sun. Not just Star Trek, but other fandoms and food and travel and everything that uh, makes that community fun. So Join us there, patreon.com slash mission log. That's what you need to do. And then we will send you a link to join us at the mission log discord. That was short and sweet, right? That was Absolutely. easy. Don, who is the Ferengi here? Hmm? Well, I, 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 you <laughs> I know was what? just thinking you can yeah. make Ferengi proud. Not the first. I'm sure that there's a rule of acquisition about, you know, buttering people up and uh, getting them into our Patreon for a recurring subscription. Why, why wouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> right. Why wouldn't it? Yes. All right. Well, with that business, that oh, oh, the uh, ugly head of capitalism showing itself in our show, let's now welcome one of our next callers, and that would be Paul. Paul, who is joined by Aww. Tendi in the background, of course. Paul, how are you doing tonight? Greetings. Greetings. Mission log for the win. Armin, such a pleasure to uh, see you. Uh, we've met several times throughout the years on various uh, cons and it's, wow, I wasn't expecting this tonight. Um, I, I, there's a question Evelyn was posting and I sort of have a similar kind of deal. I, I assume when you read this brilliant dialogue with Kira, those interchanges you had were just so amazingly like no time has passed. Um, was Did you get a chance to rehearse with her before or you just read it? And I assume you were reading it blank, assuming she said it. Is that correct? All your assumptions are correct, Paul. Um, I didn't get to work with Nana. Um, I just remembered as Quark's voice uh, and character sits just outside my periphery, um, so do some of the other characters on the show, including Kira. So I could hear what Nana was going to do. I, I probably wasn't always 100% right, but I pretty much knew what she was going to do, as I did uh, probably in the sixth and seventh season of Deep Space Nine. We, we were pretty, uh, you know, uh, we, we knew our characters and the other characters pretty well. So 
it would have been lovely. It would have been better, I think, to have Kira there. But the, the, but the memory of her was rather strong. Excellent. The, the, I, I wrote these two quotes. It's like, I have principles. And I, you knew it was coming. It's like, no, you don't. It was, <laughs> it was, like, it was perfect. I perfectly well. And I would beg to differ. I would say that Quark does have principles. It's just not human principles. <laughs> Certainly. Of acquisition, which, uh, for the most part, he t- tries to follow. So yes. those are his principles. They may not be your principles, but there are his principles. So I, I just have a couple of brief questions about the store. Um, the ears that are for sale, obviously on the fake ad site, John needs to purchase now that we've, we've, <laughs> we've made him honorary Ferengi. Are those screen used? Or <laughs> <laughs> nice. So in, in Quirk's store, there's mannequin heads with ears. And of course, they wouldn't be screen used if they're real Ferengi. But I mean, no. would yeah. these be straight from yeah would a ferengi actually make copies of his own ears to sell that's interesting um if there's I, a profit I think, right yeah I, I think not only would they sell those ears they would sell the uh, the ear trimmers the ear hair trimmers along with them i mean that's the bonus accessory that you would have to get if you're buying the full set oh yeah okay yeah. so two last questions about the uh, marketing um what metal if, it, if a Ferengi needed a tooth to be replaced, and we've rarely seen, if any, fillings in a Ferengi tooth, what metal would they use? Would they go with the expensive metal or the cheapest possible? Mm. Probably the cheapest possible, Paul, I would imagine. <laughs> but thankfully, we don't have that problem. You yeah. know, humans are just uh, improperly made. Ferengis are perfect. <laughs> it's, it's obvious, obvious. And, and the last question. And they live for a very long time, so things don't deteriorate very quickly. That's all that rain, like Portland. (laughs) So the one last question that I think the world needs to know, when I when I come in and buy an autograph from Armin Shimmerman, it it costs X amount. Um, To get the selfie, though, with Quirk at the bar, I would imagine, would that be, you know, much more expensive? It depends where. Uh, To give you an honest answer, Paul, it depends where. Um, because all of that is set by the conventions, not by the actors. And and if it were part of the deal, then it would be free, I suppose. And if it was uh, it was a small convention, perhaps they would charge a lot. Um, we don't we get a, a fee for appearing on occasion. If we if we sell more than we're obligated to do, we we get some of that. But for the most part, it all goes to the convention here, and they give us a they give us a stipend for appearing. Okay, but at Quarks, do you think he would charge more? <laughs> at Quarks, in, in universe. Of course he would. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I love that, that sequence at the very beginning where he's signing autographs and taking selfies. Um, and I hope he got a lot of Latin for that. That was, that was the inquiry. And he has to share it with me at some time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I love this that in the chat, Alan says, no amount of sluggo cola can dissolve a Ferengi tooth. That's right. And That's yeah, right. I think you're absolutely right. Paul, listen, before you go tonight, I, I have to ask you because you are clearly like our resident Tendi's biggest fan. I mean, she's right there behind you. I want to know what you made of this episode because, I, look, even though part of me felt like the the switcheroo between mask and tendy revealing their true sides it 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 kind of felt obvious to me but it was so satisfying um given the journey we've been on with tendy what did you make of it as a fan and follower 
Well, as a, you know, a, a person in, uh, who follows her career, you know, <laughs> intently as I do, yes. um, I, I try to control my emotions, but periodically I just go boom. Uh, people who've known me for a long time have witnessed that. Not many, but, and I was so proud of her for holding it in as long as she could. And then just when she's had it, she's had it and she takes charge and just, just goes off on the guy and then has to take charge to clean up the mess. So she's obviously, I, I think the captain's material of all these, these lower deckers. Um, and it's, it's very satisfying to watch, you know, this person that I just like from the beginning be just develop into this amazing, amazing character. Um, yeah. I thought the whole sequence was just unexpected. I, I, I don't know. And Mesk, I, I'm just wondering if Paul W. on the chat, since he lives in Dayton, has met Mesk or will meet him. <laughs> maybe, also. maybe at some point in the future. Yeah. Oh, anyway, great honor. Thanks for the question, John. Um, Armin, a pleasure. Charlene, always a pleasure to see you. And John, my friend, you hit out of the ballpark once again tonight. Thanks. Take to care, my friend. Well, nice to see you again. Take care, Great buddy. to see you, Armin. Yeah. Thank you. I, I loved it. People in the chat who are talking about Tendi. Paul W. says, nice to see Tendi embrace her Orion side. Dominic says, I loved Tendi's face kick. Um, I have to agree <laughs> with you there for sure. Um, Alan says, uh, obvious but satisfying. Sounds like the definition of solid writing. Um, and then uh, Carlos says, Tendi is the person I would want in charge if we were on the Kobayashi Maru. Uh, yeah, I just thought, like, as an episode, you know, Lower Decks has done this nice job of revealing things about characters over time. They kind of, you know, at the beginning of the season, you feel like, okay, these are literally cartoons. These are literally two-dimensional characters. But they keep going and going and keep revealing things about them. And ultimately, we get these very multifaceted characters in the this, uh, this short, fast-paced show. So I, I, I was delighted with Tendi's plotline in this. Everybody grew about 5% which was a fantastic thing. Like, I forget who says that, but if every if story moves about 5%, if characters grow about 5% in a script, that's good writing because you're not keeping the characters static, but you're not taking too big of leaps to where it's not believable. Just enough movement to keep them going. Agreed. Absolutely. And let, let us give a shout out to Star Trek for creating strong female characters, whether they're on yeah. animation. Uh, that, Star Trek was one of the first franchises to do that. And um, I, for one, am very glad that he did that. So that we see strong women, women in charge, women, uh, you know, that aren't subservient to men. God bless them. Yeah. Hey, I, since you brought that up, I, I want to ask you something, because that that shows a bit of interest and insight into what Star Trek did starting in the 60s and well before you were a part of the cast. And, and I know that obviously you played the very first Ferengi in uh, Next Gen. Badly. I performed it badly, but I was the first. <laughs> well, it, it was good the enough they started. brought you back. Yeah, they, they liked you enough they brought you back. Uh, but uh, To make amends. Yes, yeah. But it reshaped the characters, uh, reshaped the Ferengi a bit. Very well. Um. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I want to ask you about that. that. That's something that I think is a challenge that is unique to Star Trek actors in that you're in a franchise that's 50 plus years old. You are also in a franchise that has a relationship with its fandom. I can't think of other franchises where with such regularity, actors, writers, directors, make themselves available, go meet and talk to fans the way that Star Trek has developed this community around the fandom, around the franchise. 
do you feel like at some point you, um, unless you were already a fan from the beginning, do you feel like you sort of had to go back and, and do the homework to figure out Star Trek in order to talk about it with fans, in order to wrap your head around it? Well, uh, to answer that question, I was a fan from the beginning. Uh, I watched, I was dutiful about watching the original show. And in fact, when we started the show and, and we knew that we were going to go on conventions and I had already started doing conventions for other science fiction TV shows mm-hmm. before I appeared on, on Deep Space Nine, that I was actually the go-to person on the set for the other actors to come and, and ask, well, what's it like to go to conventions? How do you deal with the fans? Um, I, I have always, I am, I am a fan who just happens to be sitting in the captain's chair. Um, so I, I won the lottery. I had no problems dealing with fans. I don't think I've ever, I've ever had a problem. And and more often than not, when I'm at a convention, I'm the one who's sitting there the longest from nine to six, because um, I actually want to hear their stories. I, I, I want to hear how the show has affected them. And, and not just the show. I want to hear about their lives because um, as an actor, um, you draw upon the lives of other people to to create characters. And so I'm sort of stealing their life stories. But I'm also, I think, slightly empathetic. And I want to hear how we help them through difficult times. Excellent. All right. Let us uh, meet our next caller. Cherie, I believe, from Quark's Bar. <laughs> and repping Doritos. Yes. Kind of looks uh, like I have the ears now. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Did you get those at the gift shop? <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> I love it. Well, it's nice to see you tonight. Uh, what is on your mind? Oh, well, um, since uh, Armin is here, it's so cool to meet you. Nice to meet you, Sherry. <laughs> um, uh, I was just wondering, since you are a Star Trek fan, uh, what's your favorite Star Trek show and who's your favorite captain? And I know the favorite captain doesn't have to be from the same show. <laughs> so. Well, well, how do you expect me to answer that question? (laughs) (laughs) Of course, my favorite captain is Avery Brooks. Of course. (laughs) Um, uh, And I and I couldn't say anything else. Uh, They they are. That is my favorite. They are. I love the show that I was on. I'm very proud of the show I was on. I believe it's the best Trek ever. Um, And I was very lucky and very fortunate to be part of that ensemble. Um, I'm very proud also to, to tell everyone that I was the first actor hired for the show. And um, and that's an honor that I'll take to my grave. So, um, yeah, Deep Space Nine rocks. Absolutely. <laughs> nice that's cool, that. because Deep Space Nine is my favorite live action trek of all time. And Court's always been one of my favorite characters. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, and maybe one day we'll, we'll, we'll talk the non-live action shows as well. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was so excited to see you on Lower Decks because Lower Decks is my current favorite track and Deep Space Nine is my original favorite track. So. Well, it was know, amazing. It, it, it's a it, it's a, uh, a it was very smart of the creators of Lower Decks to put those two shows together because they are favorites for so many people, and so to put two favorites together uh, is a double scoop of ice cream. Absolutely. This was like this was a perfect piece of television as far as I was concerned. I loved it so much. Um, I also wanted to ask you, uh, like of what's your favorite part of doing like voiceover work and what are your favorite parts of doing live action work and which do you prefer? 
Okay, so uh, I've actually touched upon my favorite parts about doing uh, uh, animated work, which is there's no makeup, there's no, makeup, <laughs> there's no blocking, there's no memorization, um, there's no uh, there's no getting up early at five o'clock in the morning. Um, all of that is great stuff for doing the animation. The best things about doing on camera um, is that you get an opportunity if, if you're lucky enough to have a recurring character or a series regular character you get to do what uh Char just said before you get to gradually sculpt a, a character over course of time and uh, that to me is one of the delights of being a recurring character on a tv show is that uh, granted the writers are doing it for you first but you get to interpret that that arc along the way um, and that is uh, delicious. That's Sheree, great. any other thoughts or uh, questions tonight? I, I did want to say that also I, I love your book, The Merchant Prince. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, that, uh, that trilogy uh, took uh, many years to write, and I hope you'll get around to my next trilogy, which is Illyria. Which is oh, yeah. Cool. In fact, uh, two of the three books are out. The third one will come out January the 24th. Uh, it's not science fiction. Um, it's, uh, historic, it's historical mystery. And uh, I'm very proud of those books as well. But thank you for liking Merchant Prince. <laughs> Cherie, thank you so much. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll say goodnight and uh, we'll see you next time, okay? Live long and prosper. Take care. Likewise. Bye. Uh, Armin, by the way, uh, I, of course, I would be remiss if I didn't allow you to tell people where to get your books. <laughs> so yeah. uh, you, you please use this platform as you see fit. Well, uh, very quickly, um, my publisher is Jumpmaster Press. That's one word, Jumpmaster, and then the second word, Press. If you go to www.jumpmasterpress, you can get my books there. You can get them at Amazon.com although uh, they are truly the real Ferengi Amazon. Um, uh, or, or you can go to my website, armandshimmerman.com, and buy it there. So there's several um, marketplaces that you can buy the books. Um, the two books, as I said, are already out. Very proud of them. Gotten very good reviews on them. And the third one uh, has just been finished um, and will come out on January the 24th. Uh, before we go to our next caller, and uh, J.D., I see you uh, waiting there. We'll be with you in just a second. Uh, I love this. Rand in the chat says, if Quark were to be likened to a Shakespearean character, who do you think it would be? Ooh. So, uh, any thought there? Um, yeah, I, I would imagine uh, Fessy from Twelfth Night, nice. um, who... Um, He's always got his hand out for more money, um, but he's also very clever and very witty and knows how to um, ingratiate himself into people that are higher up. Nice. All right. There you go, Rand. That's what you got. Uh, and then, so let's go to JD, who is uh, patiently waiting. JD, good to see you. Welcome to the show tonight. Oh, you are muted. muted. We will do our best to unmute you. There you are. All right. Um, sorry. That's Technology no and I. Mm, um, it's been a while since I called in, but um, I just want to say, Charlene, hi. I was on the Delta hey. Quadrant with you. I was That's on the right. Delta Quadrant podcast with you 87 years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
the very first podcast I ever did. It's really nice to see your face. Uh, I know yeah, your voice. Um, I, uh, I used to have more faith, but you know, now I'm, now I'm trying to Riker from that parallel universe when, uh, <laughs> when he looked like, yeah, I'm doing that. So, nice. um, but, uh, Mr. Shimmerman, wow. I can't believe I actually can say hi to you. That's awesome. Um, JD, before you go any further, you have a great voice, a great voice. You should think about doing voice work. Uh, you know, yeah. if I had any idea how to break into work like that, I just might. Um, <laughs> I, I have very little, uh, like I don't have any stage fright at first. I was like, yeah, I don't know about this, but yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem being on camera either. People might have a problem with me being on camera, but I have no problem with being on camera. <laughs> um, I probably have a voice for, or a face for radio. So, you know, that's cool. Um, but you know, it, it's funny that Armin Shimmerman's on the show because I was just, I just rewatched uh, Little Green Men last night. I forgot how great that show was, how that how great that episode was. And now I have to wonder in Quark's store on Deep Space Nine, the Ferengi tooth sharpeners do they probably sell those in his store? Because <laughs> I mean, Worf bought Nogs, you know, teeth sharpener, but I have to imagine there'd be like Quark branded teeth sharpeners in the store. Well, I can only tell you that in the seven years that I worked behind the bar, I never saw a teeth sharpener for sale. So I don't know if he has them or not. Um, I think he concentrated on booze, basically. <laughs> the more Good important choice. things. And the hollow sweets, of course. Um, yeah. It was a profitable industry, apparently. Um, but, you know, I watched this episode and, you know, from the from the original the trailer for this season, you know, we saw that they were going to show up at Deep Space Nine. But I was not anticipating them going onto the station, was really not anticipating Armin Shimmerman and the Nah Visitor actually providing their voices for the I, I was I was shocked. It was perfect. Um, and I, I kept watching this thinking. This is the first time we've seen Deep Space Nine post uh, season seven in the continuity. And I love how they've kept the station up. And like there was, I watched this whole episode. I'm like, there's nothing to complain about with this show. I, I mean, this has been a great season anyways, between James Cromwell and, uh, and now more, more of these voices coming back. But I'm like, this is, this went from a show that they seemed to have trouble marketing at first, like before the first season, they kept playing up the comedy aspect, like the Rick and Morty style humor. And the more I watch the show, the more I'm like, this is not only legitimate Star Trek, but this is like, it's becoming more Trek every season. Like, I hope this show goes on for like 10 years. I mean, I, <laughs> I hope it, I, I hope we it all breaks. Do the seven season uh regular yeah let me explain that, that star trek has i hope the show blows it, way past it it has every reason to do that jd and let me explain the seven season thing very quickly um uh next generation and deep space nine were sold to syndication they weren't sold to cbs uh, or abc or nbc uh like the original show was so uh, seven years is just about as much episodes 
as a syndicate can use because they they'd like to replay things over and over. Seven is the perfect number. That's why it's not that we were canceled. We always knew from day one if we were going to make seven, it was going to be seven. We were uh, okay. Well, that's cool. I didn't know that. Less than seven, yes. If it, if it was really a bomb. Um, but but you couldn't do more than seven because it would be too much toilet paper. You know, you're just going to only buy so much toilet paper before you. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, um, that, that lands you kind of near that magic number, about 178, between uh, less than 180 episodes, right around there. And that fills a year of uh, syndications. So they're, they're right on the mark uh, with that. And, um, and why Voyager was only seven, that I can't answer. But for the first two shows, uh, I keep, that's the reason. That's cool. I didn't know that. Um, it- well, it does kind of, that's what I do. I educate. So <laughs> I'm glad to know that. That's cool. Um, I, now we uh, know that uh, we know that Mike McMahon has uh, come on our show and other shows and said that he has an eight season plan for Lower Decks. So that would put us at 80 episodes. Maybe he can squeeze out a few more because it feels like there's a lot of story to tell here. I would love that. Uh, you know, yeah. I keep wondering if the show's going to go near if it's going to cover the destruction of Romulus and Remus, um, because at this point in the timeline, they're still a few years away from that. Right. Yeah. Like at I least. Right. So, yeah. so it would be interesting to see if they, if they tackle that or not. But um, anyways, I will let the next color. Uh, I've, I've rambled enough. Um, I just want to say it was nice talking to you all. Uh, Mr. Shimmerman, it was really, it was really cool to meet you. That's, that's awesome. Um, oh, wait, one thing. My firstborn child and I are watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And now uh, they are 18 and they are not, they have just finished high school. So they are not real high on the idea of the high school principal anyways. Snyder is definitely one that they are not crazy about. And I think it's hysterical because I love the character as 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 uh, as horrible as he can be to the students. I'm like, he's impossible not to like, although I might be biased because he's also Quark, but I'm not sure. So, well, but, thank you for that. Snyder and Quark were diametrically opposed to each other, and I was fortunate enough to do them exactly at the same time. That's amazing. But it was That's nice fun. talking to John, Charlene. It was nice talking to you all. Nice to see you. Um, Live long and prosper. Ironically, I'm the only Star Trek fan in my family. I can't do it. I can't get these two fingers together. Isn't that terrible? It takes training. It takes practice. Both hands. Do this, John. Do this. There There you you go. go. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. All right, right, JD. Take care. Take care, buddy. Good to see you. Hey, uh, before we go to our last caller, Armand wanted to ask you. Uh, you said that uh, you know you were at a convention recently, and you've had the chance to kind of connect with some of the actors that maybe you haven't known as well. Uh, have you hung out with any of the cast from Lower Decks? Obviously, you're not working with them, and you're recording well, I in isolation. Had the opportunity to to meet any of them, as I said, when I recorded, I, I was alone. And I haven't had a chance to meet them. I'm sure they will be at conventions and I will get that opportunity. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because uh, I've been watching the show and I'm a big fan of the work that they do. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, and and probably no surprise to our audience, uh, friend of the show, Fred Tatashore, 
who is Lieutenant Shax. I, I thought he, he's another one of those MVP voice players. He's so good. And and this week I, I watched it. Uh, the first time I watched it, uh, uh, out of several times that I watched it, hearing him as um, uh, Karzan, I think, uh, or. Yeah, uh, the uh, the Karama. I, I know I'm getting the name wrong, but the the Karama head. I was like, is he doing? Is this like a John Lithgow impression that he's doing? Because it's really good. <laughs> he had that. Reminded me of that too. Yeah. Fred, Fred is one of the best voiceover actors you can find. If, if you go to his IMDb page, IMDb page, you will see hundreds of shows that he's done, uh, different cartoon characters. And, and my experience uh, with, with animation actors, they are extraordinary. And, they're, and it's very likely that he may be doing John Lithgow because all of them uh, spend their days trying to emulate voices to use when it's needed uh, on the various animation shows. Oftentimes when you do an animated show, they, they ask you to do more than one character uh, and it has to be radically different so that nobody knows it's the same actor. I've known Fred for a very long time, uh, a very long time because we had the same voiceover agent. Nice. Um, and uh, I am a big fan of his. I'm He's great. He's so good. And, and those times when, yeah, when, when you lose yourself in a character and you forget that it's the same actor doing multiple voices, that that's really magic i mean you go back to star trek the animated series and when you had uh majel and Michelle and james doing doing the majority of the guest voices but you can always tell <laughs> and that's a lot of fun <laughs> but you can always tell then when you have somebody like fred doing these uh, it's remarkable i mean he is absolutely uh, ridiculously it's a huge, talented. huge huge talent it's a yeah. huge talent yeah. All right. Well, let's go to our uh, our final caller tonight. Uh, oh, wait. Did he just disappear? Spencer, oh, no. where did you go? You were just there. And then he went through the wormhole. He went through the wormhole. We thought that the ship had stopped and he. And yeah, no, I guess we did. Well, maybe he'll come back in a moment. We certainly have to hope so. Uh, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll give him a moment here to, to try to come back to us. I think Earl will work on that from the Earl Green Green Room. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, I, I'm noticing, by the way, Shar, in, in your notes, you had one line here in two words, screamy quark. So yes. clearly the, the quark scream stood out to you. I was overjoyed that screamy quark got to come back. Like, I, I was overjoyed just to have quark and Kira really, forgive me, I was really banking on Kira. Like, that was my one prediction my hope was oh my gosh they've got to get a non-visitor back but to have you there as well was fantastic but screamy quark there's just something so endearing about that and it was like <laughs> no time had passed at all and i loved it so much thank you you're welcome you're welcome shall i tell you where the scream came from no oh. not yes please <laughs> dying to know okay so i can't uh i don't remember the episode uh on deep space nine but the script said in this in particular scene, um, Quark is supposed to cry. And um, and I got made up, and I, they sent me to my trailer, and I sat in my trailer, and I sat in my trailer, 
And I said, and I was preparing for this crying scene and I sat in my trailer and I sat in my trailer and I sat in my trailer and I sat in my trailer. And as the hours went by, I was in no mood to cry. And uh, when we, they finally got me in front of the camera, everything was set up for, uh, for me to cry. Uh, Mike Goki, the sound engineer, turned the volume way down because it uh, way up because I was going to be crying and, and he was preparing for that. But I was so frustrated by the weight that instead of crying, I just screamed um, and blew out uh, Bill's uh, eardrums. I can remember him coming around the corner just with fire in his eyes because he had turned it way up and he had the, oh. the things on. So, um, that's where the screen came from, and uh, the writers liked it so much they began to incorporate it into scripts. That's a very cool story. And, Absolutely, uh, yeah. Thank you yeah. for sharing that. So, sound guys always risk it, uh, it, you know, at some point on set. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, they do miraculous stuff because I have noticed over the course of my acting career that actors have begun to speak very quietly on the set, my yeah. and. For the four sound men are trying desperately to get the dialogue. See, at that point, everybody listening to the show tomorrow on the audio, they just they turned it way right. up and they will say, Thank you, thank you for joining us. And the, uh, <laughs> Uh, by the way yeah thank you everybody who joined us uh armin thank you so much for your time again just uh, a delight uh, to hear you talk about your process and your work and about cork in particular uh dr dawson points out in the chat if you weren't on the show tonight you missed out that the earl green room has complimentary sluggo cola and tube grubs so wow. uh, thank you earl for providing that for all of He's our really callers. on it tonight yeah uh that is not coming out of the mission log budget so you're on your own for that uh so with that said don't worry about saving those receipts you're on your own exactly mission log live is produced by roddenberry entertainment technical production on mission log and mission log live by the indubitable earl green be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from roddenberry podcasts if you'd like to support mission log directly give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log thank you charlene schmidt for co-hosting with me this week thanks to thank everyone you. who joined us live or later we look forward to discussing lower decks season three episode seven with all of you next week this is a roddenberry podcast for more great podcasts visit podcast.roddenberry.com